Welcome to San Diego Magazine's Happy Half Hour. Clearing the head, staying in the zone. And listeners, uh, just want you to know that if you didn't get Brunch Bash tickets, it is now too late. You sounded like Bull Durham right there. That was my goal. Staying in the zone, breathing out of my eyelids. (sighs) Anybody remember that movie from the 1980s? I mean, I guess I'm aging myself just a tiny bit here. When I think Bull Durham, all I think is cigarettes. Well, you don't remember any of the great lines, long, deep, wet, slow kisses that last for three days? I think that was the name of the line. I have no, no, I don't remember that. I just remember, I think, didn't he just smoke nonstop in it? I am so disappointed in you I right know. now. Uh, Bull Durham, you're a baseball fan. It's one of the greatest baseball movies of all time with Kevin Costner and, and Tim. Oh, I'm, make, I'm mistaking this for a different movie. You're thinking of the guy who was the politician, Bull, or something like no, that? No, I was thinking some kind of cowboy movie. Okay. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to San Diego Magazine's Happy Half Hour. This is a food podcast, although we do talk about 1980s movies and baseball. We do. And brunch. And, and brunch. You guys, If you guys um, didn't get your tickets to Brunch Bash, A, we want to thank everybody who uh, bought tickets. Um, obviously, you know, when we put these things together, you know, we, we invest a lot of money to make a cool event, and you know, we partner up with some of the best restaurants. The whole thing is to honor the best restaurants in San Diego, some of our friends. And you know we who we admire what they make, what they do, and they share it all on the lawn. And it's basically a party for them. And you get to taste like some of the best morning food on the planet, or at least planet San Diego. Um, but um, thank you. We we don't know if you guys are going to show up. We never know. Yeah, every time it's like. <gasps> I hope we sell this out because we really need to. <laughs> you know, we're going to invest all this money. And, well, you, and you guys did. And it sold out. Thank you so much. Okay, so today we're going to talk about more brunch even because we have Tracy Borkman, TK, Tim Kalenko um, from Urban Kitchen Group. Now, Urban Kitchen Group, if you're not aware, and we'll get into the story in a little bit, but I, many, 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 many moons ago, Tracy Borkham had one of the co- coolest, cutest um, bistros in Kensington. And she was just an upstart restaurateur she had been in the life in the kind of like industry her whole life you know it was an art grad you could tell in her place it just had this great design and everything well I worked there and I got fired from it you did yeah because I was the worst bartender ever known a man and I was deserved to get fired honestly it was a good thing for her business she probably wouldn't have made it if it wasn't for you know letting me go congratulations um, yeah thank you very much Tracy uh, but Tracy is here um, she is now with Urban Kitchen Group you know Kachina in Oteca you know Kachina Urbana you know they opened up a new um, breakfast brunch joint called Goldfinch. It's basically a modern delicatessen. A lot of Jewish traditions, giant lakhez and everything else. And they're opening up a couple different restaurants and museums. Minge Museum, they did an amazing restaurant in called Artifact. Um, they have one at MCASD. They're opening up another one soon um, in MCASD, which just got a $100 million redo overlooking um, the ocean in La Jolla. That's a wicked lot of money. It is a wicked lot of money. So here's a woman who went to art school in at NYU you know, um, and she ended up uh, doing restaurants, and now she's doing restaurants in some of the best art museums in San Diego and Southern California. Pretty cool. We're going to talk to her about how she's kind of built, you know, her entire empire, and talk to Tim Kalenko, who's one of my favorite chefs. He is the partner chef of Urban Kitchen Group, and they um, he was at the Logitory Pines for a long time. He was kind of one of my early mentors in food when I first got into food writing. <laughs> That's awesome. I know. Well, in the meantime, let's talk about beer. Let's do. Yes. So, and it's probably the biggest news of the week, fall brewing, uh, which I used to actually call my extended living room. 
Uh, that they, does not surprise me. <laughs> well, I used to live a block away from it, and yeah. like I literally, I'd like I'd get home from work and be like, oh, just go in there, see my friends, listen to some punk rock stuff like that. But they are taking over the former Saint Archer building in Miramar as well as most recently Kings and Convicts, which is the people that bought Ballast Point. Uh, if you guys know Fall Brewing, for me, Fall Brewing is the Casbah of San Diego beer. You know, I, they just have that like great style. It feels rock. It feels punk. It feels artistic. It feels like all my creative friends that I end up like liking their bands. It feels like those guys are all making beer in that place. Well, you know who designed the Casbah logo? Who? The, the owner of Fall Brewing. Dave Lively. Yes. <laughs> so, okay. The owner of uh, Fall Brewing is a great designer here it's in phenomenal. San Diego. I mean, so good. Dave Lively. He's done Jack Johnson's album. Um, he did, I think he did poster art or, or maybe it was an album for the White Stripes. He's done a lot of different, like, um, uh, big, big rock and uh, folk musicians. Uh, he, also, he also designed the beer cans of our San Diego Magazine beer when we did the uh, the three beers. That was like David's greatest achievement. So It was. I, I, I remember when they came in it was like are you just like you're like hey have you seen my son you know what i mean it was like david holding like like three like 20 something ounce and he's like i just want you to introduce you to um anyways fall yeah. brewing is growing big um it's a, uh, over in north park obviously david's um extended living room um back in the day uh but it's you know it, it, people are easy to root for you know and they are taking over a thirty-two thousand square foot space that used to be saint archer over miramar they're going to bring a little bit of that kind of like you know um casbah vibe you know to what is could become you know beer alley in san diego yeah. you know i mean you've got um, a beer and craft spirits alley over there you've got totally um what's over there we got ballast you point ballast you have the whole igniter project yep we got cut water over there and, Mir mm -hmm. and Miramar. There's a bunch of different craft uh, places over there. And I think he would not tell us too much information. You can go on our website and read the story about it. Um, but he wouldn't tell us too much information. But he did hint at like, you know, maybe there's going to be a car show. Maybe there's going to be a festival. I could see like a music festival being done in this 32,000 square foot place. 100%. And you want to know what actually kind of makes this kind of funny and full circle? Hmm. Is, uh, all right, this is a, so fall brewing. I remember when I first heard about it and being the name, I'm like, fall. I'm like, yeah. why? It's like, we don't really even have a fall in San Diego. Right. But so the name basically comes from Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And that is because the old owner, Ray and Dave, both worked at St. Archer in this building. Dave did the design for them. Ray did all their beer, uh, all, basically all their beer recipes. Uh -huh. And they both got canned for like basically crappy reasons so the fact that then saint archer is now closed and their brewery fall is going into the space i think is like the coolest story nice full circle yeah You're like this is gonna fall we're gonna do our own thing we're gonna call it fall and then we're gonna move in on humpty dumpty's territory congratulations to fall brewing um it should be opening up in the next i don't, I don't know exactly uh, when we didn't get an exact timeline but i think like this summer um they'll be up and rolling another reason to go to miramar definitely and Rosemary's is going to be opening its first brick and mortar. All right. So this this is a little food truck that's been tagging me in their burgers um, for a long time. Um, Chef Nick. Um, it, it, you know, I've been looking at it. I'm like, God, those look like really good burgers. You know, I mean, and it just kept on tagging me on Instagram, tagging me on Instagram. And I was like, I really want to go down and, and, and just check them out. It's pretty close to my house at OB. I'm like, let's go check them out and see if it, you know, is, is worth anything. And 
awesome, awesome, awesome sliders. They're doing this guy, Nick, he was, uh, he came from Ohio. He was actually with the military. He was like a strategic planner or something. I'm getting that wrong. And I apologize, Nick. Um, but he was something like, like high up intelligence. And you can meet this guy and you know that he's an intelligent dude, uh-huh. um, in, in like the military, like since he was a young age. And then he was like, you know what? This is not necessarily the life that I want to live. So he went into cooking and he named this place Rosemary's after his grandma. You go to this little truck right by Harlan Brewing in Bay Park. Harlem Brewing is a really cool little space over there. It Bay is. Park. You've been, right? Yep, I have. Yeah, so I mean, it's just, you know, it's like a small little front room, but then you got this long back alley where like dogs and kids and local families and bike gangs, they all kind of hang out, you know, and drink a little beer and they're all eating those sliders from Rosemary's. So this little little cart next to, to Harland has been serving sliders for a long time. But he does like, this guy's, you know, a good chef, went to culinary school, um, worked with some of the better chefs in Ohio and then out in Phoenix. He started his own company and these sliders, they're $10 each. I was going to ask you how much they cost. $10 each. Wow. And before, I, look, that sounds like a lot for a slider, but you think about like a good taco, like a good taco using good ingredients, mm-hmm. right? Made by a chef who's spent some time in culinary school and really worked with lots of different chefs. You can pay $10 for a taco as well as if it's using really good stuff. He's using Wagyu. He's using Koopy Mayo, which is the best mayo in, it's Japanese mayo, and it's the best mayo in the world um, because it has MSG. Um, and, you know, and MSG is not bad for you. MSG is delicious. It is absolutely delicious. And there's been multiple studies that prove that it is not not bad for you. Um, but he's he's also like, he's marinating his onions. He's confining his onions for like, you know, like, like a day or two. You know, like real, like investing time and money into good ingredients and you get it and you get that slider. And honestly, you only need one, at least for me. I mean, maybe some people need two, but you eat an entire one of those things and you're like, Okay, I'm good. It's got brioche bun and everything else. So we went down there. They've got like spicy fried chicken. They do an Indian riff on a, on a spicy fried chicken, like a Nashville hop. They do like a Bombay. Um, they did a, uh, a kind of like a riff on a double cheeseburger animal style, you know, that's like got this melted cheese and, this, and the secret sauce. The best one that they have, though, they have this little, um, they have one that's Korean barbecue sauce on fried eggplant. It is awesome. Whoa. It is so good. It's a vegetarian um, burger that you can get. The big news is that they're going into Mission Beach. They've got the first brick and mortar. People have absolutely loved it. They've been lining up for these sliders because they're really, really good. Um, first, they're going to what used to be now Sushi. Um, they're taking over. It's Mission Boulevard. And the closest cross streets like San Jose. It's over by Single Fin. Um, they're taking it over. They should be open probably by, I want to say, like in April sometime. So they basically agreed to take over Now Sushi's place. And I apologize that Now Sushi's going out, and I'm sorry that didn't work out. But at least you're getting a good local concept that's going in there. You're going to get sliders in Mission Beach. And really, you guys should go check these out first before they open up their brick and mortar. Go get that um, uh, that fried eggplant. It's called We Have Eggplant in that little Korean barbecue sauce. Hmm. Mm, good. I completely agree with you as well on one thing on the, that I don't need more than like one slider typically. Yeah. Like if I get a burger at a place, I'd say nine out of 10 times I don't finish it. That's a full meal. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you really don't. You get that, that big burger. Yeah. Honestly, like if you, as long as you have some significant um, insides and every single one of his sliders, like when you're talking to slider, like you think like maybe like, do <laughs> you think of slider and you think like there's a little bit of thing of meat? He's got a full chicken thigh. <laughs> you yeah. know, so it's getting, not like a White Castle. No, you're getting a full <laughs> chicken thigh. You're getting a bunch of eggplant. You're getting like three little patties. Like it's enough. It's a full meal for 10 bucks. And it's a really, really good meal. I'm stoked. This next one is kind of a uh, dad joke of a name of a restaurant. 
It is Barracuda. <laughs> yes, opening in Barrio Logan. Opening in Barrio Logan. Um, I, you just like to hear the success of, you know, these were a couple friends who were in the backyard um, at like a house party one day. And it was really hot in San Diego and they were trying to beat the heat and they had a beer open and they were like, you know what, let's just make some, um, let's let's make some, uh, I just got an email. Sorry. <laughs> I have my computer open, everybody. I just got an email to totally distract me. My brain is like shiny things. Um, so, but they were, they were like, let's, let's throw together ceviche. Like what goes better to, than when you're in a really hot environment than a ceviche and an ice cold beer, preferably a Mexican lager for me. Um, you know, and they, they made the ceviche, absolutely killed it. Everybody at the party loved it so much that they're like, you know what, we should try and make a business out of this. So these three friends did. They went down to farmer's market for the last six months. They've been working on, they've been serving uh, ceviches and crudos at farmer's market. Now they're opening up their own little spot in a shipping container in Barrio Logan. Barrio, Barracuda is the name. And it's, you can see this, this, it's a cool shipping container. It's got like neon lights. It's got an, a mural from one of the um, Barrio Logan muralists who's actually done something at Chicano Park. It's got one of those like big, almost Easter Island Head statues in it. It's got a p upright piano, huh. uh, you know, like a plant wall, and everything else. And they're going to be doing, you know, beers. And it's going into the um, bread and salt building. Now, if you guys don't know what the bread and salt building is in Barrio, you definitely got to go check that out. It's been an event space, really cool arts event space, and everything else. And they're slowly but surely filling a lot of those holes with culinary concepts. So. When Barracuda goes in, it's sometime mid-April that this will open up. Um, they're going to be sharing a patio with Mujeres Brew House, which is, you know, a female-owned um, and you know female-centric and female-empowering um, craft beer space in San Diego. So we have Mac Mac opening in Oceanside. Yeah, I mean, this is if some of you lived inland North County or and even near the near the um, beach in North County, you might be familiar with Sublime Ale House. Um, that is James Jim Loco. Uh, I'm sorry, James Lim Joko. Um, he was, you know, he's just been a restaurateur, you know, a kind of a craft beer, kind of um, uh, gastropub kind of guy. And, and Sublime did really well, I think, for like almost 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I think during the pandemic, he kind of had to shut everything down, or it was right around the pandemic that he shut everything down. Well, this is his new concept, and it's called Mac Mac Organic. It's going into, I mean, it, it actually is open in Oceanside. Uh, it's got these huge floor to high ceiling windows. You know, they're doing like Asian food of all kinds. He did a, um, he commissioned a street artist that he met in Thailand um, to do like this nine and a half foot mural in there. They're going to be doing um, like Korean mandu, uh, Japanese gyoza, like all kinds of dumplings. They're going to have chilies, fish sauce, fermented soybean paste, uh, kamangai, which is a traditional Thai dish. Um, they, they just a bunch of pan Asian stuff and from James who knows what he's doing in terms of food and it's obviously going to be organic that says it in the name uh, they've got uh, fruit infused seltzers they got kombucha oh. on tap um, good to see him, you know, and he, he talked about it in, in the article. You can go to San Diego Mag again and read the article about him opening this up. Um, but, you know, he went through a divorce and, and, and he, you know, is, is kind of re- rebuilding his, his life, you know, as, as you do when it all falls apart. And it's good to see him getting back on his feet and adding to the Oceanside scene, which is getting crazy, crazy good. <laughs> it, it really is. And I, while we, I know we have Brunch Bash coming up this weekend, but our next event coming up is our Best of North County event. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we should, like, be splitting the up and having like a best of North County and a best of Oceanside. <laughs> they have so much. I know. Oceanside is its own planet right now. You yeah, guys, you guys got to go check it out. Um, so that's it. That's that's all I got for food news. Unless you have anything else, David. 
I have uh, nothing, but I want to just let everyone know that there is a blog post on SanDiegoMagazine.com but at the time that you were listening to this, and we want to hear from you. Is there any guests you'd like to see on the show? Or if you want to sponsor the Spine Podcast, give us an email at HappyHalfHourSDMag.com. And now we would love to welcome our special guests. Okay, so today on a podcast, I know I have, I have well, I've known of the group actually since I worked there since, I'm going to start with this story, Tracy. This is where I'm going to start. Um, I was first fired from this woman's establishment 25 years ago, and it was absolutely deserved. I was one of the worst bartenders in the history of bartending. The vodka was never in the same place twice. I talked to way too many people, and I'd look up and I'd see a serve, like a line of like 25 servers wondering where their drink was. Anyways, that was one of her first restaurants. That was the first restaurant actually that you ever did, Kensington Grill. Over in, we all kind of know Kensington. It's one of the most charming places you can go east of the five, right? Every time I go in there and I'm like, how do I figure out my life that I can live there? Since she went on to um, take over Laurel, which was a really fine, fine dining restaurant. And she, she basically, I, th- I believe it was during the pandemic, or not the first, uh, not the pandemic, excuse me, the recession, that dining was changing and she changed along with it. And she had took this really, really fancy place and turned it in this like casual setting where you could do, you know, Italian style food with Southern California, you know, fruits and vegetables and the bounty that we all grow up with. We know is like the star of, you know, the region and it called it Cucina Urbana. And then that, that spawned off 600 restaurants, all named Cucina something. And it kept on going and going and going. And now she's opening up a, um, with, with her partner, who we're going to introduce in one second. I'm going to have his, he's got his own certain um, introduction for me too, um, is opening up a few different concepts in museums. The Mingay being one, uh, the Museum of Contemporary Art, $108 million remodel, of which you are the culinary partner in that, uh, which is really interesting to me because people are actually doing stuff with institutions and in non-traditional spaces. I know you've got a place at the Rady Shell. We talked a bunch about these things and you opened up a Jewish deli, which I think is an underserved market in San Diego for a long time. Welcome, Tracy Borkham. Thanks so much, Troy. And just to clarify really I, quickly, I'm sure I got something I was wrong. not the actual individual that fired you at Kensington Grill. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand that responsibility over to someone else at the time. So it's a story that is told Either way, time fan- and time again. It was a fantastic decision. It genuinely was. <laughs> it saved both of us. It saved both of us. It really genuinely did. It kind of launched me into a, a writing career. I was never meant to be a good bartender. I just don't have that kind of skill set. You know, I mean, if you see it anywhere, any space I inhabit within the first like next like 15 minutes this entire table will be in disarray you know so thank you very much you're so well firing manager definitely got a raise like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay so that's the untold part of the story that voice that you hear here when i first started writing about food um about um, now it's been 15 years ago you know i'd written about music for a long time and and i knew you know this guy through friends of friends and you know he was working at um ar valentine he was the second in charge there one of the best restaurants in san diego one of the first to do um tip to tip to tail real farm-to-table cooking um, under Jeff Jackson, who was a legendary chef in San Diego. Um, and uh, TK, Tim Kalenko called me and he's like, look, man, if you need any help, because obviously you need a lot of help. Um, this is a brand new, you, all you, I know you know your punk rock. I don't know if you know you know your um, Da Confit. I will help you out if you have a question. And so I've known him for a long time. And you were under Jeff Jackson for a very long time. 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you, I mean, you got to see some of the best chefs come on, come onto your lawn into those celebration um, dinner celebrations and everything else. And you went over to Blue Bridge Hospitality, which is another good restaurant group in town, and they help. They basically, I think they've colonized all of Coronado now. And then you joined Tracy. 
yeah. about now it's been I wanted to say it was like six or seven years ago because I feel like you guys are this inseparable duo but it was only four or five years ago right yeah we feel that way too um, we were talking about it the other day and we said it's pandemic time so it's been three four years mm-hmm. feels like you know probably about ten by pandemic time I think mm-hmm. now okay so this duo Tracy why did you pick him I, this is now we're totally going to put you on the spot. I'm sure you had not a short uh, a, a short list of cooks and chefs. You have a good reputation in San Diego. This guy comes to you, or why did you pick her? Vice versa, whichever way it goes. Uh, do you want me to tell the story? Sure. Yes. Um, so it was interesting. Uh, Joe, who, the chef that had Joe been Magnanelli, with Tracy for yeah. ten years. Um, he was moving on. I heard it through the you know whatever rumor mill, and I reached out to him and I said, "Hey, what's you know? I want to hear about your your new gig and the yeah. deal that you're getting." Yeah. Um, and you know, all chefs coming up, you're always interested in partnerships Absolutely. and stuff like that. And I, I wanted to know what the deal was. And so we had coffee and we sat down. He said, "So, are you interested in the Cucina job?" And I said, yeah. "Well, I wasn't until right I, I was, now. I really want to hear about your deal, but yeah, now that you mention it, like uh-huh. you know, sure." And we talked a little more about it. And he said, well, let me introduce you to the director of ops. And then he said, let me introduce you to Tracy. Let's all go have dinner. And um, once I sat down with everybody, the director of ops, beverage director, and Tracy, um, it was just a no-brainer. Yeah. I was like, wow, they're all aces. Like, this is such a cool team. Like, I love that. I, I always loved to cook Italian food. I always loved Cucina Urbana. I actually yeah. was a little remorseful that I never got a shot at that job originally. Okay. Um, you, you get a second shot at the yeah, title. when it first opened, I always thought, man, that would have, I would have loved to have done that job. So, yeah. 10 years later, um, I got shot at it. And here we are. And why did you pick him? Why did I pick him? Um, he picked he picked us, right? Um, right, I know, I know. No, I think you know. There's a you, you have a mission, vision of your life in this industry and what you expect it to be, and who you are, and the team that you want to build. And for us with Urban Kitchen, it's always been a culture of a team. Mm-hmm. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about a group of people that really enjoy working together, making yeah. decisions together, creating together and thinking alike. And honestly, it was pretty instantaneous that we knew that we had that same mission vision. Mm-hmm. It was a question of how we were going to make that happen and as we moved forward, how it's now come to play in the world that we're living in today and the businesses that we've opened in the last couple of years, I don't think either of us expected to be opening a Jewish deli and yeah. a bunch of catering and museums and all kinds of things that we're doing, but um, it's really been a beautiful process and I think we work really well together and we've become really great friends yeah. along with working well together, which I think is very rare yeah, today. Yeah, because there's gonna be minor stresses going along every day. Yeah. Every single day, it is such a stressful industry, and to know that you've got someone on your side, mm-hmm. you've got their back, they've got your back, I think it is something rare that I'm, I'm personally very, very grateful. Yeah, likewise, the trust is really huge. Like, that's, it's nice, like, to just to be able to have that. You kind of need that, right? It's tough business, like, going through to. tumultuous times, and we went through the most tumultuous of times, so I think one of the you know little nuggets that came out of the pandemic was like it really forced us to like dig in and figure out like what we were committed to and what we were made of and um and this really changed you guys i mean as i understand it i mean it changed all of us obviously but i mean it was one of the most and again obviously the worst time one of the worst times and you know and his in my personal history and obviously in the last few decades you know like what what 
there were silver linings. And I think for this industry, especially, there were a lot of silver linings. The people that were able to adapt and look at it and be like, okay, we're not perfect. We're not retrofit for every situation. And we need to try to be get closer to, you know, a model that's a little more lean, a little bit more adaptable, a little bit more, you know, modular, if you, if, if you want to say. You know, I feel like that really, of the chefs and restaurateurs that I've talked to ever since have said, like, when I changed, it made me so much better after now that we're starting to come out of it. Obviously, we're not totally out of it. But, you know, I mean, do you guys, what did you guys do? What did you guys, you looked at each other one day and you're like, okay, everything's going to shit. You know, what do we do? You know, we had a great infrastructure previously as far as a business was concerned, very strong. You know, we do everything in-house. We do our accounting in-house, um, yep. our HR in-house, all those things. And so we, we were kind of plodding along and we were in this land of Kachina, which we love and we still love today. But I do feel like we were sort of like trying to figure out who we are, especially as, you know, Tim joined and where we were going. And then all of a sudden our world blew up and yep. it was an the worst day of my life having to yeah. turn around to I think it was 384 people yeah. on our team and have to let people go right yep. and then you get into this sink and s- or swim mode and it's survival and I do think that a lot of us in this business know how to survive right yeah. we're, we're fighters we have to fight every single day in what we do yep. I mean our, our as an industry our bottom line numbers are probably the smallest of any business out there media is pretty close but yeah okay you're right there behind <laughs> us um, but so yeah so you're in this place and and thankfully and gratefully and I don't know exactly what happened here but there was a little bit of pixie dust and a little bit of magic yep. and I think the creative juices started flowing and I think that's what's so incredible for me to now be standing here or sitting here today after all the hell that we went through to now be able to say wow we we really sort of took this moment and took advantage of it and took the time to think through who and how we want to be moving forward because you opened up a few new concepts really i mean you know i mean when did okay so you guys opened up a restaurant now say this at the menge and i was so excited about this um it's called artifact at menge and menge got to redesign itself which is you know a craft makers uh museum of all kinds of i'm actually saying this wrong because you have a a art history degree from uc berkeley and i'm very nervous talking about art right now i just want to say this tracy borkham so anyways but you know it's this really cool you know um uh, of world cultures, things that people make around the world, you know, um, art pieces, and just a little bit more down to earth, I guess. You know, and they had their, a huge redesign. Jen- Jennifer Luce um, did it. You guys opened up your restaurant, and, and which I've always said, Balboa Park needed. I'm like, you know, God bless David Cohn. I mean, he's been the anchor there, then Panama 66, but we need more and better and create that thing into an entire city. I want cocktail bars on the rooftops, everything else. So you decided to do Minge. Why was that, and how was that? So I don't remember exactly how the opportunity came up, but I do remember meeting with the people from the Minge and understanding what it was all about yeah. and being like, well, it's about craft. And mm-hmm. I, that's the one word that I think of when I think about what we do with food. Yep. Um, so it, we had a really just a great conversation about sort of my philosophy in cooking, our philosophy in restaurants and what their philosophy is as a museum and it was just a perfect fit yeah um and then we created a restaurant for the museum we didn't go into it with an idea where we had like we'd already brainstormed this idea for a restaurant and we were just going to drop it in there. This in we here. said yeah. we want to make a restaurant for this museum that fits in the museum and that's how that's how artifact came about and how so just in in that you were i, I think when we talked you were talking about different spices you were talking yeah. about different 
So we looked back to ancient botanicals and spices and really made like spice kind of, we had to figure out like, what's the thing? We wrote the menu about 16 times. Yeah, And I'm I'd sure. be remiss right. not to mention Jeff Armstrong, who's our yeah. chef there, who's amazing and creative and just a, a huge part of the whole process. Yeah. And I mean, we kicked that menu around, the three of us, so many, there's so many different versions of it. Um, until we finally landed on, we said, okay, well, spice can be the thing that kind of holds the menu together. Like that, that's what makes it make sense. Because yep. it gets a little weird sometimes if you can go anywhere. Yep. Um, and I think what we did, it ended up still making sense. And we kind of went in different to different places with the food. Mm-hmm. But there's still a cohesion to the menu and it still works. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, we've had a lot of fun there. And then we do the dinner series where we go to different places every month. And we, you know, we do Korea. We done Japan, done France, we, you know, we're all over the place. So you got tomorrow be- night Persia. Persia tomorrow. Oh, you're doing Persia. Yeah, tomorrow okay. night. So awesome. Yeah, that's you're doing some Palau. Next one in the in the lineup. Uh, don't ask me about the menu because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you opened there's, up. I know there's going to be lamb shoulder. I can tell you that much. Of course, I'm absolutely morning, yes, but. and some great yogurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Okay, so you so you open up Mingay and then you then you keep on going. You keep on going with with um, the art. I mean, again, this makes sense that you get an art <coughs> history degree, Tracy, and you're you're opening up in art institutions that are kind of icons in the city. Um, but why? It was just really serendipitous this opportunity for people approaching us for these projects, and I think also we were very open to these different opportunities versus just thinking about large scale restaurants, restaurants, right? Yeah, and so Rady Shell actually came prior to Mingay. Okay. And that's totally wild and different from anything either of us have ever done. Very, I mean, anytime I say, we have a food pavilion at Rady Shell, it's kind of a bizarre <laughs> thought. Because you've done nothing but restaurants. Nothing but restaurants, yeah. but... Yeah, and to do packaged food at that volume, at that pace, right. it's just a different game than either of us have played. And we've done a lot of different things in the food industry, but that one was new for us. So we we did a lot of learning in the first year, and um, it's well, been and now it's re- it's really fun. Like I love it down there. What was the learning? I mean, obviously you just want who somebody just wants a sliver of grass. I want to own a sliver of grass in the Brady Show because it's so damn beautiful, <laughs> right? You just want to be a part of that. But doing packaged food, I mean, you do fresh food that comes directly from the kitchen to the table in a presentation. I mean. You know, you got your polenta plate. You got everything else that it looks gorgeous. Well, how, what did you learn? Well, I think the approach for the team at the symphony was to actually make sure that they were bringing in local restaurateurs or chefs that yeah. were committed to making fresh food. So mm-hmm. we have an area in our kiosk that has like a grab and go, grab and go experience. But overall, our, ourselves, Lola and Biga, all three of us are there, and we are all cooking fresh mm-hmm. to serve. So I, I think it's been super successful. I love the lo- the fact that they're promoting local businesses as well. Um, right. In addition, they have their own kitchen that they service table side um, for the VIP tables right up front. But um, it's I had a meal there. Yeah. But but even then though, as a chef and as cooks and as restaurateurs, you got to think about that, like that that five to ten minutes that it travels through an arid situation right by the water that's kind of cold you know I mean, I'm sure you've learned how to cook differently right yeah and uh, and really fast ticket times right a typical yeah. ticket time in a restaurant is you know 10 to 20 minutes and sure. there it's like 2.5 yep. um, so it's a lot of forecasting and a lot of um, on year one a lot of waste um, yeah. because we had to be prepared to go really fast and then if the business wasn't there 
sometimes you didn't have anywhere to go with the food. Sure, so, you have to guess. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So a lot of guessing, and so we've done a lot of collecting data and you know figuring out. And then the shows are different, right? The demographics change. So right. from one show to the next, the way people eat are different. We have a pretty diverse little menu down there, and so it changes. One show, people eat salads. The next show, people eat chicken sandwiches. So... So um, you guys are actually looking at, okay, so you're looking at like Bonnie Raitt and you're like, what does Bonnie Raitt people eat? Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> exactly. Week in and week exactly. out. That's the game we play. We sit around the table and go, hmm, how's this one going to work? <laughs> can, you give, can you give me an example? Was there like a symphony or is there, there like somebody from a specific culture, you know, that was, that was performing? Well, you're like, okay, well, let's go yeah, to that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There, we changed the menu too. Right. So we had, um, uh, what was it, like Olivia Rodrigo concert down yeah. there that wasn't part of the symphony series, you know, it was a Live Nation concert. And um, it was like, you know, 8,000 like 19 year old girls or whatever. So yeah, it was a totally different thing. And um, we sold no food. We learned that we don't sell anything at that show. So it's just... Uh, My daughter was there. Tricky. That was her first ever concert, by the way. 11-year-old. I know. She had. To, she actually had to sit on our... Um, get on my um, my wife's back. Um, because, you know, it was all all GA. And she's yeah. 11 years old. And she's not the, the tallest 11-year-old. And so she had to get on her back. But, um, yeah, I she, think that was probably the largest concert they've even had at the yeah. show since opening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That night. Yeah. Oh, no. It was yeah. a- absolutely it was, nuts. It was crazy. So that is, I mean, that's kind of a wild world, especially when you guys go through, you guys have such curated environments, you know, I mean, you know, you, you guys, it seems to me, and I'm sure that you guys are ad hocing every day, but you go into a Cucina Urbana, you, you go into the Enoteca, you go into like one of your places and you're like, okay, this is really well thought out. Like it, you have a, a procession, you have a, you have a, you know, way that a service is going to go. You guys kind of orchestrate it really well. And I think that's why you guys have worked so well for so long. You know, you kind of know what to expect, which is a very comfortable thing. I mean, a nice thing these days. <laughs> you go into a restaurant and you're like, okay, it could be bad this time, or it could be a little bit, you know, unpredictable, but you really know that you're going to get a good experience. They you're going into a totally wild, unpredictable Olivia Rodrigo experience where you're like, I got all these. What do you get? What do you get for 19 year olds? Brunch? Well, and, you know? it, was, and it was a huge <laughs> show because you're always going by the numbers. And right. Like I said, it was like 8,000 or something. It was really, really large. A typical symphony show might be like 3,000 people. So you, you, you have to come with a lot of food. You have to be ready to sell a lot of food. So and you guys are both food sustainability people too. Yeah, it's yeah. you're massive on this. Yeah. So you're trying to figure out this model, you know, where you're like, okay, how do we not, how do we, we have to prepare. We have to guess. Well, how do, and how do you cook to order as quickly as possible for a whole bunch of people so we can not waste the food? Right. Because if we don't cook it, if we hold it, then we can use it. Yeah. So that's the game. That's the game that we play. Little tiny kitchens, X amount of firepower, and uh-huh. you know, how fast can you cook? 200 of something or whatever it is. Oh, you're back in the phone booth, buddy. Yeah, it's fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty interesting. When he said that fun, there was like one more wrinkle that, not one more, sir, excuse me, a wrinkle that showed up in his eye. (laughs) But but I will say it's also really cool when you get a really busy concert and you're firing on all cylinders and the forecasting is right and and you just crush it and you do all this food in two and a half minutes and you served it fresh and like that's that's fun. It's yeah. and that's like being in a busy restaurant. You know, it's like being at Urban on a Saturday night. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So two quick things I want to point out. Again, you as a restaurateur, which I always really admired. One of the first things that you did when you've changed over Laurel, you took all the restaurant or, or the um, furniture like outdoors. I want. Didn't you sell it on the street? Am I making? We, we did, and we weren't supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> we got in huge trouble with the city. City came by and said, um, what are you doing? We said, we're having a garage sale. He said, oh, you know, <laughs> actually Fifth as Ave. a business on Fifth Avenue, you can't do that. 
That is awesome. I really admire that though because you were like, look, you're a restaurateur. You don't, you're not coming in with billions of dollars. You know, this is not. Oh, we were in dire straits. We flipped that thing in three and a half weeks and we needed every wow. penny we could get. So yeah, whatever we could sell, we sold. Yeah. So this was, and that was actually, I mean, and genuinely was one of the, the times I got the big, just so I was like, okay, this woman's scrappy. She knows how to, to how to get things done because we're heading into a recession. You have this big, beautiful, stately place with the grand entrance and everything else, and A, people didn't want you to touch it. So you're going into this sacrosanct sort of area where you're like, oh my God. Yeah, exactly, but all those people weren't coming for dinner every week either. Right, so right, that's didn't have true. Much of a choice, that was an easy right? choice that yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyways, so you switched over, but one of the, one, the things that I was most marveled at, because your parents owned a retail store and or stores in San Diego that you grew up working in, right? I did. I grew up in retail. Yeah, my dad owned clothing stores okay. in La Jolla. My mom owned a handbag shop in La Jolla. And, uh, what, is a yeah. ha- what is a handbag shop? Handbag shop. She she was the queen of handbags. She did oh, sold handbag. handbags at 20% off on Gerard and Prospect. <laughs> no yeah, way. Yeah, it was fantastic. Everyone bought the handbags there. Okay, so you knew how to do retail, but then you started selling. You always had really good design, you know. And I remember this working at Kensington Grill too. There was always it just felt good. It, it was it was like you walked into your friend's place that actually knew how to design. You know, I mean, mine just kind of looks like drywall gone mad or drywall go, drywall gone drywall. You know, but your place has <laughs> always looked really good. And you started actually selling, you know, the furniture and the decor. And you used a retail perspective in restaurant touring. And as a restaurant tour, as you said, small margins, you know, 6% is the average, I think, is what it is. You know, every dollar that comes in, yeah. you can make a 6%, yeah. six cents on the dollar. Yeah. You know, and you always have to come up with different ways to monetize. Well, the, the, that's how the retail aspect came about because when we did Cucina Urbana, couldn't really afford to go out there and buy the chair that we wanted or buy the table that we wanted. So we partnered with a gentleman that has a shop down in Chula Vista and in TJ, and we designed the furniture and he made it, and that's how that came about. And honestly, it was just purely for us an affordable option to open this restaurant. And then people were coming in and they're sitting in the chair and they're like, this chair is super comfy. I want it as my dining room chair. And so that's where that kind of evolved. Smart. Okay, well, I think we'll start selling those chairs. <laughs> that's and that's you, genius. That is, that is genius. Well, I mean, and it's a, 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 the mother of invention is necessity, right? You didn't, yep. you, you're like, I can't afford this right now. We're going into an economic recession. I've had to turn over a restaurant. You know, you didn't have you know, a, a private equity group, I'm sure, investing in billions no, of dollars. No, we did not. <laughs> Banks do not loan restaurants, you know, um, money to open them. You know, so you have to scrap and pull and scrap and pull. And then that was a great way to basically you know, partner and get the kind of uh, furniture that you wanted. Has it turned into something that helped the restaurant? You know, it did. I mean, it did for a while. And as we built the larger scale Cucina restaurants, right. we added those little retail areas. And then as things got crazier in our world, we sort of set that way furniture sale aside. More it logistics. It got kind of crazy. Right. I mean, we were getting requests for like 150 of this chair and 200 of this chair and no we were selling way. to other restaurants across the country and so yeah it, it was a decision of do we really want to go down that road what are we? and and start doing like trade shows and everything else or do we want to stick to what we're supposed to be doing yeah. and what we're supposed to be doing is serving beautiful food and creating incredible experiences for our guests so yeah that's where a decision was made we're going to set that aside but you can still buy candles and olive oil from us every once in a while books, and, cookbooks yeah, books. some good cookbooks especially if you like just pasta. little things i walked into their you office totally let let it go 
No. Okay, good. So you're keeping a little bit of the retail. The ha- there's a, is there a handbag? There's no handbags. But maybe. Crazy. I think we should do a Kuchina bag. Right? I know, right? Come on. In honor yeah. of mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Uh, I, 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 we will get into the future, too. And I want to talk about the Jewish deli, especially. Um, the uh, But... Why did you even go to restaurants? I mean, what, you, you, were, you were in retail. I mean, I guess that's kind of like a hospitality of sorts, you know? Um, I was in retail. It's, it's kind of a silly story, but I was in retail. You were dating somebody, Re- weren't you? I, I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I was. And um, I grew up, I mean, my mom's an incredible cook, right? I grew up Got in it. a Jewish home where Friday night dinner and everyone's together and all the holidays mm-hmm. and everything. So always was around food. But I did. I was dating a guy that worked in a restaurant downtown San Diego um, called Salvatore's. Salvatore. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> they just rebranded. They're still there. Yeah. And I would yeah. I would go in at the end of the night and sit at the bar and have a drink and yeah. wait for him. Um, and I don't know how it occurred. But just one day, the, the gentleman that owned the restaurant, he said, well, do you want to come work here, too? And I said... Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And so I showed up one day and started chopping herbs and then broke up with the guy. He ended up leaving town and I learned how to be a line cook at Salvatore's. <laughs> gotcha. And that is again, if you if you know San Diego, I mean, it's been a, a long-standing restaurant in San Diego. Shout out to those guys because I, I, I happened to go in there after a Padres game one night, and it was a really really nice gentleman at the bar, and he was like, "We're really trying to do some new stuff in here," and he was just kind of showing me around, and you know, they're really really trying to kind of change the culture in there. So yeah, give it a shot. Okay, so you you went into restaurant touring. I will say, I walked into your office about uh, about a month and a half ago, two months ago, or whatnot, and you know you can you know when there's a restaurant group that's good is because. I looked at your bookshelf and I was like, oh my God, I love these books. Just like b- book after book after book after book of the classics and those big, beautiful ones. Just a collection of good food. So you really fell in love with this. It wasn't like, all right, all right, I guess I'm going to stay in here because I don't know what else to do. I don't want to spy my mom's handbags. You really genuinely fell in love with food. I did. I mean, I did. I fell in love with the business too. I was really intrigued mm-hmm. by it, right? Understanding it. And then. And then I went to bartending school. Oh, so did I. Did you go to the North Park one? I, I no, I didn't. Okay, well I, then that's why you still were, were pretty good at I it. I went to, <laughs> yeah, I went to bartending school. No, I wasn't good at it at all. Well, I, get, I scored really well. I think I scored the highest at the school had ever had at the time. And so I, I went and applied for a bartending job and obviously they wouldn't hire me because I'd never done it before. So they hired me as a cocktail waitress. Okay. And Troy, I got fired too. You did. <laughs> I did. I knew it. I, I did. could feel that I firedness did. in us. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, we always yeah, have like. Yeah, uh, I, had, I had a problem <laughs> cocktailing. It did not go well. I was, yeah. It was that. That was. Uh, it really is a keystone in my life, and I like that we can share this together. <laughs> this is the second podcast we've had, by the way, that um, we've had guests on that fired Troy. Really? <laughs> yeah. Who's the, who's the other uh, one? Hornblower. Oh, horn blower. <laughs> yes, that's really true. I forgot yeah. about that. See, you see Hornblower, and these were, it was during a little bit earlier stage in my life. And on Hornblower, and I, I guess I can tell this story really quickly um, because this isn't about about me. But um, I did take a job after I lost my job at Kensington Grill at Hornblower, <laughs> and uh, we there's a, a New Year's cruise. 
And you're not allowed to have any drinks if you're, you work on a... a Imagine a, that. Uh, I know, right? On a ship. <laughs> on a crazy boat. Policy. Because I know it's a crazy policy because... And I didn't actually consider this at the time, even though I think it was in my training manual, um, that you were considered like a steward, like a lifesaver. You are responsible for the lives of the people on the boat. You know, should something happen? She could have disqualified you to... Right. So we probably right? couldn't be. So there was a bunch of us that we went... I mean, it was New Year's Eve. Everybody has to work because it's a big night. You know, so everybody had a few drinks. I might have had one more than the, than the other people. <laughs> and I happened to walk by somebody, one of my managers who smelt it. And he's like, you know, you can't work here. I mean, you're, you're, you're fired now. I'm like, I'm like I, you know, and I did, I resisted the one urge. That one urge when you've had a couple beers and you're like, we're all drunk. <laughs> you know, I didn't say it. I was like, I'll take it. All right, I'm out of here. Okay. So anyways. You swam to shore. I, I swam. I luckily they didn't let me on. They're like, nope, you're gone before it even starts. Um, okay. So can we go now to Goldfinch? Um, Goldfinch, you open up. It's a Jewish deli. Now, this is something obviously that's near and dear to your heart. I mean, this, uh, this is—is it the food? I know you're doing um, um, Shepardic. Is that how you, Sephardic? Sephardic. Oh my God! Thank you so much. That's okay. You're doing Sephardic um, a food. You are um, doing what, what? It's a combination. It's, yeah, it's both. Yeah, it's a combination of. I, I mean, I went to the guys, and we we had committed to this project um, mm-hmm. this partnership with RMR up at the Muse and Tory Pines and at the time this was pre-pandemic I mean we were just well we were just entering in so we had negotiated and we didn't actually determine what the concept was going to be at the time we yeah. just made a commitment and so then we had to figure out what the concept was so between Jeff and Tim and I sitting around a table and sitting around some meals and trying to think of what it was, this is this thing has been with me for a long time. I would this imagine. like Jewish deli concept yeah. of how do we kind of make it urban kitchen ish. Um, and I was really scared to bring it up. I thought I was going to get shot down really very, very <laughs> Why quickly. Why would they shoot you? I, we, honestly, we had kicked around. We actually had, I think we were going in a different direction and then something caused us to change direction. And, yeah. And she said, well, what about a deli? Did and she we, say it softly? She's and like, we she's both like, went and we were like, yes. Like there was no hesitation. And we had been yeah. like sitting there debating and kicking around and she was holding out. She was like waiting. She didn't want to say it. And then the minute she said it, we were like, that's it. Yeah. That's it. It makes sense. We're going to do that. Because you, you spent time in New York. I, I try and spend quite a bit of time in New York. I'm in New York every year. I went to school there for a short period of time. Right. Um, but yeah, I love New York. I mean, it, it, the Jewish daily culture there yep. is amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And growing yep. up in London, too, I was around a lot of that. Right. Um, but for us, it was how do we modernize it, right? Yep. So we call it a modern delicatessen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then the introduction, like in this country, a Jewish deli is really very much that traditional Ashkenazi style. Yep. Um, you know, your Reuben sandwich or your potato latkes. Um, yep. And so Carb with heavy. us, yep. um, yeah, especially Ottolenghi, everyone knows Ottolenghi, mm-hmm. right? And that's really what introduced the world to more of a Sephardic style cooking. Yep. And so that's where we kind of talked around okay what what do we want this menu to feel and look like and how are we going to modernize this experience and so it is a combination of the two and we like to describe it as it's really basically your cold country and your hot country right right combining, combining that yep and then so what i mean for me you being a chef too, and you being a restaurateur, I mean that's that's has been one of the the vacuums in San Diego. I mean we got these Yakins, you know, and it's a legend. There's no disrespect to these Yakins and Milton's as well. Yeah. 
And Milton's and, and do you, the little little um, known fact for a lot of people in San Diego, you know, the Milton's is where the Milton's Crackers star started. Yeah. And they sold to, and I forget who they sold to, but they got into Costco and they sold to a larger group. Um, but now, like that was the cracker of the pandemic. Hmm. Like you could buy it in the massive, massive bag. At least for me, I'd get that like delivered to my house from Costco when all the shutdowns were happening. And, you know, it was like that and bitchin' sauce, you know, two <laughs> San Diego based companies. It was like that. I'm like, all right, I don't know what else I'm going to do. Um, so Milton's, you're right. So Milton's, DZ Aikens. I mean, there's there's a few, but it really hasn't kind of not really proliferated as much as I would have wanted it to. So I think this is a good one to put in, right? How yeah, you and, and then I think to put a bit of a spin on it and bring the modern element of that of it and to try to lighten it up right and, and to do um, a lot of veggie dishes and mm-hmm. things that people want to eat five days a week for lunch um, that was really the the thought process behind so it. you look at it as a chef and you're thinking some of the pickled vegetables you're thinking about you know some of those earmarks uh, of a Jewish dish. you're accentuating and, and increasing the population of those something a little bit lighter maybe a little bit healthier not all the way healthy you got some giant latkes on there I mean I, which are beautiful you don't well, you want a little indulgence but you lighten it up for so, so somebody can return yeah and fun um, because the, the Ashkenazi cuisine let's just say it, there's delicious food in there and my heritage is, Pol- is, my heritage is Polish so there's a lot of very familiar things yeah. in there um, to me, but it's not like the most exciting cuisine. Mm-hmm. And whereas um, the Sephardic cuisine is a little bit more exciting. Yeah. Um, brighter, you know, um, brighter flavors and, and just more bold flavors. So mm-hmm. um, it's a little bit more fun for us to do that food. Um, so we, we had to, we definitely had to do the traditional food that people expected. Of course. And we had to work at it because yeah. we got a lot of feedback. And I would imagine there are some, and there's a lot of family recipes that go back generations in that food. Yes. Right. Um, and we listened and, uh, and you know, we think we're doing a pretty good job of it. And then we have this other side where if maybe that's not your culture or you're not familiar with that food and you can just come in and want to grab a light lunch, like that's there too. And it's interesting and, and cool. Tell me one of the things, I mean, you are, this is no, no, I'm not blowing smoke. Um, you are, you're one of the best chefs in San Diego. You're somebody I followed for a long time. You know what the hell you're doing. What did you mess up? In this, and it, what did somebody uh, give you feedback on? They're like, oh and you're goodness. like, all right, all right, you're right. Um, well, the latka from day one was a that was like a process that I think <laughs> right. we've we've finally conquered, but it took us a while to get through many little tweaks and iterations. Right, and that's an important one. Okay, so well, how do you do the perfect look at that? Come on, I mean, what was the key that you you learned? You're like, all right, we got to let it sit. Uh, it's for- a secret. I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, no, no, no. I, can't, I can't give that one up. Come on. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of what else there was. Well, there probably were. the matzo ball. My, matzo my, ball. my oh. poor dear mother, we are so oh, grateful to Jan. They're so I think hard she to spent make. the first month in there trying to teach everyone how to make matzo balls. And then finally she's like, I'll just make them at home. I'll, I'll just make them at home and bring them in. And then finally, I think we Jeff called one day. He goes, I got it. I got, I got it. We, the, we figured it out. So we sent Jam back in. She tried it. She gave her approval, thumbs up, and we're good to go. Yeah, the first, I think the first matzo ball I ever made was like inedible. Like I literally could have like <laughs> bludgeoned somebody with it. And I was like, how could this have even gotten that hard with these ingredients? It doesn't even like make sense. Right. Well, and that's, I got to say how refreshing that is to hear. I mean, so a chef of your caliber that you can still make something. And they're like, no, this is terrible. Well, and of course, you know, my chef arrogance got in the way because I thought, well, it's just a matzo ball. Right. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and some egg like how hard can it be and then you try to make it and you're like wow this is actually like hey Jan how do you make this thing again like can you please come show me how to make this so yeah definitely a humbling experience with the matzo ball you gotta get the mom approved on that one yeah okay yeah. so we got a mom approved um, modern delicatessen um, in Goldfinch um, tell me about that now the kitchen you opened up um, 
Congratulations on opening the kitchen three weeks ago when it's just started. It's outdoor at MCASD and it's been raining for three straight weeks. Um, oh, the life of a restaurateur. That is correct. Just yeah. brutal. Just um, brutal. And, and, here, and, the, and the best and worst part of it is, is I think it's been the smoothest, best one we've done in terms of just like really having it together. The game plan was solid, mm-hmm. trained, like a really solid team in there. And we just came out of the gate swinging. We had a couple of really good services. We were on an hour wait one day and just like, we're like, yes, it's happening. Yeah. And then two <laughs> weeks of rain <laughs> just crushed us. I mean, and in San Diego too, you're, you're, the whole goal of a restaurant is to take off the roof, you know, to take off the doors and the walls yeah, and well, everything. Who would think? It's like La Jolla, California. We're all, yeah, no problem. 80 seats outside 365 days a year. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So we're excited for the sun. We're, uh, exactly. Yeah, we got our feet under us. We're like, we're ready. We're just ready and waiting. So the elevator pitch on that one, though, would be, I mean, if you're describing that the concept, because I know you have two concepts, so I want to get to the last one in a second. Um, but the elevator pitch on that one would be? Uh, what is the elevator pitch on that one? Um, you know, we again, we wanted to represent the museum. We did the coastal Mediterranean. Yep. was Because we're like right there on the coast. It just made sense. Yep. Um, and wanted to keep it still light and then wanted to be able to bring in some modern touches. So mm-hmm. um, that's where Coastal Mediterranean kind of came in. Um, so we're doing some really great like kebab style skewers and, um, and <clears throat> some of the like lighter veggie wraps and things like that. And then there's a whole mez section, which is awesome. Yeah. Like Baba Ganoush with this carrot hummus. that's like super interesting with the. Um, one of the things I learned recently is that carrot juice reduced down to a syrup is one of the most amazing ingredients I've ever worked with. Oh, really? Just carrot juice. It's like the simplest thing. Uh, well, I mean, you, because there's so many natural sugars. The, the latka. There's yeah, so- and acidity, though. That's the thing I didn't realize. It mm-hmm. actually has acidity. And when I first tasted it, it was Jeff actually brought it to me. He's like, hey, taste this. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. What'd you put in there? And he said, carrot juice. And I said, what else? Mm-hmm. Like, carrot juice. I'm like, you're lying. Yeah. Tell me what you put in there. He's like, no, There's really. some piloncillo in there, something. Just carrot juice. Yeah, it's amazing. No way. Yeah. All right. Okay, so now finally, I want to get to the, the one that you guys are, ha, have been working in. You've been catering at this space. Um, but I want, to, I want you to give everybody a description of this space. And then what you have planned for it, because that's going to be the next project that you're going to open up in San Diego. It is, as I understand, a glo- almost like g- amazing 360 sort of view at the museum itself. Not 360. 180? Uh, 90? Two sides. Okay. Of the four, <laughs> two um, of the four walls. 45 are, degrees of San Diego water. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah, two, two walls are floor to ceiling glass and yeah. looks out at the ocean. It's pretty spectacular. Awesome. So, and what are you going to do? What are, do you know what you're going to do yet? We're working through it. Yeah, we have some <laughs> ideas. We're not ready to announce it here and tell the world, but... Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's an event space, and it will be. Um, we're gonna do it three days a week. We're gonna do a, a special menu in there, um, probably most likely a free prefix menu, um, and it, it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna we're gonna push a little bit there, push the limits of it. you know the cafe is an everyday kind of a place where the yep. food's really approachable, and there we're gonna um, we'll be able to do a little bit fancier stuff, maybe a little more refined, and and uh, and you're estimating the open to be, and then we'll add three months to that. But we're hoping to get it open before summer. I mean, it's an interesting okay. concept to do prefix lunch. No one's done that yet. So we're always up for the right. to be the guinea pigs of San Diego. Let's try this. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll see what that looks like. You got um, a coal mine? Then, I'm a canary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think from the chef's perspective, you know, as as you said, we we service catering events in this space as well. So it has to be open to that yeah. opportunity. But we're, we're excited to do some chef series dinners, to yeah. do some guest chefs in there. Um, I saw that you're already doing that at some of your restaurants right now. We are. Actually, we just did it for Festa. For Festa. We did all the gals. Celebration of women chefs. Yep. 
Yep, and we invited a bunch of local chefs to create their own cucina pizza, and um, that's been great. I actually was at Arbana the other night and had to have both pizzas. Have to. Have to. Have to. Had to try them. Um, That's just part of being a responsible owner. You know what I mean? Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's the hard part. Yeah. R&D. R&D. So, I mean, you guys have, I mean, how has it been for women in this industry now? Do you, do you, do you see a lot of different uh, changes? Do you see a lot of less toxicity? Do you see a lot of less aggressive male behavior in this industry? Or do we still have a way long time to go? Uh, you know, we just had our um, annual manager party on Monday this week, coincidentally. And we all get together. Everyone joins in. And people come from Orange County and San Diego. And a lot of them don't know each other. And then at towards the end we do a kind of a quasi gift giving and then speeches and everyone gets it's a lot of love a lot of yeah. love yeah. a lot of urban love and and we get to introduce people to each other and it was really really special this year because there were a lot of women in that room awesome it really i think probably the most there have been yeah. and women in leadership roles um mm-hmm. we have a new female chef on our team which i've been begging for for a really long time so finally i have a yeah. wonderful um female chef counterpart to Arthie. join in the conversation okay gotcha can you give it to, uh, like a one sentence bio for arthi uh, Arthi and I and oh, please I hope I'm pronouncing her last name right Sangavi I believe okay. is how you say it um, but she's of Indian heritage yep. and worked in some great Michelin star places up in San Francisco mm-hmm. um, and we've known each other for some years and, and you know kind of an ongoing conversation and so when the opportunity came up we, we you scooped her, her up yeah. yeah and and she's uh, first of all she's a cool person a yeah. really skilled chef um, but the fact that she has that Indian background, it really, yeah. she just brings like another voice into the conversation. Awesome. Um, and so she's, um, we're excited about the contribution she's going to have. Every spice shall be bloomed. Yeah. You know, she had her own All spice right. company and we were, we, when we opened, this is a funny backstory. When we opened Rady's Shell, we actually bought the spice for the cauliflower dish from her. She, she had, a, I called her up and I said, Hey, we're doing this cauliflower dish. I need it. I want a cool Indian spice to do this dish. You know, do you want to make us so a you spice? imported one part of her life at a time? Yeah. yeah, you're like, okay, first I'll take the spices in, <laughs> and then I'll take, the, then I'll convince you to come down to San Diego. Nice work. Yeah, yeah. So she's great, and um, and just, you know, a chef with a really bright future. We're excited to have her on the team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and then from a front-of-the-house management it's a whole bunch point, of there's a lot. There's yeah. a lot. We have three female GMs on our teams today. Um, our catering division is completely run by women. Awesome. Uh, yeah, it's, it's exciting. When so when you the say, industry. is there a lot, you know, is there a long way to go? I mean, I think obviously there's a way to go. Sure. But I sit here proudly as yeah. a female restaurateur, and I appreciate the fact that I am that. Yeah. And I think I've it's helped me. I've used it to my advantage, you yeah. know, to, to be able to see multiple sides of a situation and to bring that female quality to some decision making. And I, I'm, I'm never apologetic for it. And I don't see it as something that is a negative. I see it as a positive And I invite every other woman to do the same. And so I, for me, I think for the next decade, that probably is one of my number one goals is to be able to really work side by side and together with other women where we can also help support younger gals that are coming up through the industry yep and i i need to take more time and make more of a commitment to that well no like you were saying i mean there is which like we said about the pandemic you know i mean it would be nice if you didn't have to struggle you know it would be nice if if, if the, the dance floor was even 
you know, but there are advantages to coming up for the, when you have to walk up the dance floor. Yeah. You know, you, I agree. You, you learn a special skill set that other people probably don't have if you are able to make it. And glad to see it's evening. Um, and last thing I, I want to ask you guys about you, we talk, um, you both spoken about um, food equity and, um, and making sure food scarcity. You know, and you obviously work in food. You obviously work in an industry that only has six percent profit margin. I mean, again, like we talked about, it. I mean, you, it's not a get-rich-quick scheme. Uh, you know, how do you participate in that, and how do you how do you as restaurateurs actually like help make sure that people have more access to food? How are you? Do you just partner with, say, Feeding San Diego with No Kid Go Hungry, or you know, what do you, what are you guys doing? Because I know that you guys have both said that that's massive to what you guys do. Well, I think we've we've um, partner with both of those charities over the years, um, yeah. which most restaurant tours I feel like in San Diego have. We've done so many events with so many wonderful people that have all like taken part in those charities. Right, um, but it's it's just a, it's a tough subject. It's a tough one to answer. And it, even us, when we have food waste, um, you know, we're a catering company, right? So there's yep. a lot of leftover food that comes with that sure. from time to time, especially when you're doing big events. Yep. And and so we'll we'll donate food, but there's also limitations on what you can donate. And this is like one of the kind of roadblocks that we run into, I think, societally, right? In all kinds of different ways where there's yep. like, there's a surplus here and there's a need here, but there's some regulation in between that stops this from getting to, to Especially post pandemic. Yeah. I mean, we used to do drop offs after every catering and we started calling around, you know, catering disappeared during the pandemic. And as it came back, we started making calls. Hey, can we drop off after, you know, Saturday afternoon event or Friday evening? And, and we were getting, no, so sorry, we can't take the food. Because so of the fear of germ be, contagion. Yeah, yes. Mm. So something has to change there uh, because people need to be fed. Absolutely. Right? And we want to feed them. Yeah. The, the, the amount of these statistics on, on uh, children that go hungry, that's always one that kills me. I believe it's 39 million um, in the United States. Or at least that was the last one. I, please fact check me, but it's pretty close. Um, you know, children don't know who, where their next meal is going to come from. I mean, that, that's terrifying. In a, in a society where, you know, we wasted enough food in, in 2017 to fill the Empire State Building 91 times. I mean, it's, it's, it's like there's uh, the systems that you're talking, the, the, the regulations that get in the way. I've always wondered this, and this may be incredibly naive, and I'll say it out here anyways. You know, I've always wondered why, you know, if there is a regulation like you can't drop this off because there is health considerations. And obviously we need, we need to make sure that we're not, that we're dropping off. Yeah, you, you don't know, want to get people sick. You don't want to get people sick, right. period. You know, but if, you know, like, could you? Could I sign a waiver? If I, you know, or, or something? Could there be something like an at will? Like, look, I know this is coming from a respectable caterer. I know this is coming from a place, you know, that that, that people handle food well. I, I waive my right if I get sick, you know, to to legislate or anything like that, you know. And it, it, it I'm sure somebody smarter than me would be like, no, you can't do that because there's 57 laws attached to that law. That yeah, you know, exactly. Right. Yeah. Like similarly to and and we've had this conversation many times. Labor equality, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and labor equality as far as our heart of the house kitchen workers versus our front of the house and Right, trying to get everybody. It's all of that. Same. And so it's a it's a constant conversation and a constant battle and uh, we all have a responsibility to make sure that we have a loud voice and we are at all times speaking out and telling the story because so many people don't know. Yep. Yeah, especially when again, yeah, especially when it comes to um, equality of well, what people make in a restaurant too. And I know all you guys have been fighting for that. So that's a puzzle you guys have been trying to solve forever. Forever. Because if you uh, you can say, okay, we'll just pay them all the same. Okay, well then all your servers just left to go to the Harry's restaurant down the street. Correct. You know, and you're like, okay. 
damn, can we all just do this together? No, I don't want to. I, it's, I, I do not. That is one, one I do not envy you on. Um, but I have loved having this conversation with you. I, I, th- we have come so far together. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you, know from, you literally kicked me into a, a writing career. Not you. I'm not, but it, I'm so glad that I was able to be the worst bartender you ever employed. And it was, <laughs> so you still look at me at those thoughts. You're like, don't tell that story. I, I, I feel good. I'm okay. I'm okay. You're okay now. I'm okay. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm, pl- I'm pleased you're okay now. I, I'm okay. <laughs> Anyways, um, okay, now let's get into um, two people, 50 bucks, if yeah, you're ready. I think that sounds wonderful. Okay, so. This is what we ask all of our guests. Um, two people, 50 bucks. Well, I, it could be if two people, $9,000. It could be two people, $1. Whatever you want. You two, know, people. two people. Two <laughs> people. Two people while eating in San Diego. Where do you go? Tim, please start. Uh, I'm going to stick to my neighborhood and say Cantina Maywell. I love that place. Oh, God, it's so good. I haven't been there since Saturday. Simple. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Seriously. <laughs> Simple menu. Great mezcal. Always super friendly service. And it's, yeah, it's just great. And, and what do you order? Uh, well, usually the special because they have a weekly spe- or day- daily special. Daily right? special. So it's Tuesday, it's one thing. It's Wednesday, it's the next thing. I know there was like a white mole on Sundays for a while. It was like mm-hmm. insane. They're like grinding their mole there. So again, super small, simple menu, but like things like that, like going to the length of like getting the machine to grind everything for the mole. Right. Super solid. Tracy? Oh, me. I have to answer that question too. Well, <laughs> so I don't like answering that question because then I get a call out. afterwards from all my friends like, why didn't you mention my restaurant? What about this <laughs> restaurant? And Honestly, the way we're working today, and we're going seven days a week straight for months and months and years and years, honestly, at this yeah. point. Okay. I'm takeout queen. I am takeout queen. I just want to go home. I know. Oh, I it's a horrible you. thing to say. I should be like promoting everyone to eat out every single day <laughs> of their life, right? But I just want to go home. Well, it's very different for people that work in the industry, too. You know what I mean? Like most, people, most chefs, honestly, that I ask, they're like, I'm, you know, have you have any idea how, much, how long I'm in my kitchen? You know, like, I'm, I'm not going out every night. I'm going home to see my kids, or I'm going home to see my girlfriend, or, or whatever it may be. Um, okay, so wait, favorite thing on his menu then. Okay, well, his favorite thing he's ever cooked to you that, that somebody can buy right now, that somebody can go into your oh. restaurant. Okay, Ooh, tough one, there's Now you have of, to pick between his. There's food that, don't, that won't qualify. So, oh my that's gosh. a very hard one. And, and you know, so we have a lot of chefs, so I can't really take credit for everything. So it's no. it, going back to the collaborative thing. It's like, okay, honestly, you know what he does? I I'm do letting her off this. the hook. I, is what I'm you doing. are. No, this no, is no. Because you know, he, he, Tim is just the most unbelievable chef when it comes to something simple. Well, he's a great chef at all levels, but just the simplest things. So I got to tell you, the best thing is when we're sitting in the dark, dingy catering office on yes. Marina <laughs> and I'm starving and he sees that and he just mm-hmm. disappears for a minute and then he comes back with something really Some simple that he just quickly threw together, mm-hmm. just walking through a walk-in. Some herb, some spice, some yeah. some, some yeah. Uh, olive oil, some... Yep. Well, and funny thing about that and the creative process is in my entire career, this is like a reoccurring theme. I can think that I have this brilliant idea and work on it for like a week mm-hmm. and, and you're going to present it to everybody and it's going to be genius and everybody's like, yeah, that's good. <laughs> and then you walk into the kitchen out of necessity, you have something you got to use up, you have like 10 minutes to come up with a special or whatever it is, or you got to like come up with something and you like whip something together and everybody's like, oh my God, it's the best thing I've ever eaten. This season. And that seems like it happens like that over and over and Caesar over Caesar salad. Yeah. Yep. Just, there there it is. Had to use it up. Yep. Tijuana's, yep. uh, Tijuana's yep. finest. Um, 
I think I'm going to go uh, up into your neck of the woods, I believe, um, where, you, where you live. Do you live in Mission Hills? I live in Bankers Hill. Ah, close. I lived in, I lived in Bankers Hill. I lived 100 feet before, below the um, landing strip there. I could actually see the tires. Yeah, uh, you know when, when they fly yeah. by, yeah. it was actually right by the cherry bomb? That's, um, that's where I live. Okay. So I, they, you would actually get, you know, the wind that whips through about 10 seconds later? It actually whips it's every the weirdest single thing. <laughs> the weirdest thing. Like, yeah. Zip. Zip. And it just hits Zip. like different trees. Yep. Troy, yeah. the first time I saw it was on Halloween and it was at night and I was in the street by myself. I think it was during the <laughs> pandemic. There was like nobody around and it happened and I was like, what you're, was that? I was like, is that a witch and a broomstick? Or a there it is. <laughs> like, it's a ghost. It's, it's actually happening. Yeah. Freaking um, but I did stuff like uh, Cardellino um, the other night. Um, and Brad Wise is, has done a fantastic job up there. I, I love what Brad has done. And they um, re- reworked it, right? They, they reworked it. They couldn't figure out the room. They really couldn't figure it out. It was the hardest room for them to figure out. I mean, he's done really well, well with Fort Oak. He's done well with Trust. Cardellino was a struggle. He, they were like, we, don't, we might shut it down. We don't have no idea. You know? And then they reworked that kind of um, Italian chop house. You know, and they did the, the, the steaks and they were doing those lamb chops, you know, with a great chimney. Mm, um, nice. Sounds it, wonderful. Oh, my God. You had a lamb lollipop with the chimney and, and that. I was, again, I, he's, he just, he's one of my favorite people and it was a great meal. He's doing this whole Tuscan experience right now. I highly recommend going up there. It was both Claire and I looked at each other like, this is just a really nice meal. And we hadn't had one of those in a long time because we've been working, like you were saying. Like, you, you know, take, take out. Like, I swear to God, I'm the biggest food guy in the world. And for a year while I was rebuilding this company, it was Amy's soup cans. I don't even think I heated them up. I just opened them up. You know what I mean? Amy's organic soup. It was just, and you know which one's the best? The French country vegetable. I'll tell you that. There's my two view, 50 bucks. French country vegetable from go. Amy's organic soup cans. Just, <clears throat> anyways, David. Up on Park, I went to the new spot, Johnston's. Johnson's oh, yeah. Bar. Yeah. Yep. It's where the oldest small bar was and whatnot. Looks absolutely nothing like small bar now whatsoever. Um, yeah, complete wide redesign open. of everything. Um, went there uh, for happy hour. Got a, a really good cocktail to start off called Normal School. It's just got some like mezcal and grapefruit juice and like grapefruit soda. Um, super tasty. I got for my appetizer, I got their fried cheese, which is basically a fancy way to say mozzarella sticks. But it's like, obviously, they're breading it there in-house and whatnot. Dear God, it comes, I love mozzarella sticks. They're so good. They're so good. But um, So they're nice and deep-fried, crispy. You can tell that it's like homemade there, and they put a bunch of Parmesan right back on top of it. And then not only marinara, but they give you a, a walnut pesto as well okay. to go with it for okay. dipping into it, which is really, really nice. And then, just because I guess I was just feeling deep-fried everything, I then got the fish and chip. Oh, you just turned it into the county fair, didn't you? Yep, I did. All right. <laughs> that one's sounding good to me. Oh, it was know, so good. Right? Yeah. And then uh, with the fish and chips, it's which is kind of cool as well, is like the chips, uh, they are salt and vinegar uh, based um, chips. Okay. So they you don't get the malt vinegar yourself. They just put it on there for you. Mm, my favorite. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much. Um, I, I, Tracy Borkham, you have done a few things in food in San Diego. You have opened up some of the best restaurants in San Diego. You've been at it for how many? When, when, was, when did Kensington Too Grill open long. up? I don't want, okay, I don't want to aid you, you know, but when, how long? Has you 27 been? years. Is it 27 wow. years. I mean, to keep restaurants going for, you know, four years, two years, one year, you know, 10 years. When 10 year hits, you're like, oh my God. Wow. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Hosiah. Um, you know, but congratulations on the continued success. Um, Goldfinch, um, Giant Lockes, um, and I can't wait to see what you guys eventually end up doing. 
um, at yeah. MCASD and it'll stop raining and you'll be able to go to I the will. kitchen MCASD. Um, you can go with that right now, um, but maybe wait until it stops sprinkling a little bit. <laughs> or don't. Or don't. Or don't. Just go there. Just bring an umbrella. All right. Awesome. So where can we find, where's the best place? Uh, Urban Kitchen Group or where, find you guys? Oh, uh, UrbanKitchenGroup.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, Instagram. What are our Instagrams? I think it's Urban Kitchen Group, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. I think we've got an Urban Kitchen. we got Cucina yeah. Restaurant. Our marketing person is um, going to kill us right now. <laughs> Jamie yeah, May? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Jamie yes, May is Jamie not May's gonna not going to be happy. <laughs> I, I love Jamie um, May. Uh, what else? I'm Tim, uh, Chef Tim Kalenko on Instagram. Okay. They're very, very seldom... That I yeah, okay. Not very occasionally, often, but every yeah. once in a while, it's yeah. just like a surprise. All right, and then yeah. I'm Hey Troy Johnson on Instagram. That's David Eli Martin down there. Yes, indeed. And we are San Diego Mag. And we are San Diego at San Diego Mag. Thank, Thank you, you, San Diego Mag. Thank you guys so much Likewise. for coming on. Thanks, guys. Fantastic. Bye, guys. Bye.